0: In 1 Nephi 16, we see the family of Lehi preparing to plunge deeply into the wilderness of the Sinai Peninsula. It is trackless, it is more waste than it is wilderness, and it's certainly a place where many would go and perhaps not survive. How could they navigate through all of this? The Lord answers with a curious ball of brass called the Directors, or later the Liahona. What was this mysterious ball? Could it be that there was in antiquity such an object that was used by travelers in that part of the world to navigate through very difficult stretches of wilderness? As it turns out, there was. Let's talk today about the Aliyahona, the interpreters, and what it is that the family was able to do in order to survive that experience. (laughs) Welcome to the Hidden Treasures podcast, where we explore the rich doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Drawing on both inspired teachings and the latest research, we examine closely the revealed scriptures of the Restoration. Of course, opinions expressed do not constitute official pronouncements of the Church or its leaders. These classes are recorded live and taught by Kevin Hinckley. Thank you for taking a moment to subscribe and leave us a comment. And now, on to today's class. And away we go into uh, our class. Now, uh, th- th- we're just talking how, how uh, deep and rich um, the, the tree of life is, and how, how the, the ripples of that tree of life experience just seem to keep moving all the way through the Book of Mormon, and, I, and so we're going we're gonna to see a, a really great example of that today, so... Um, Okay, so I want to start with a question. As we've talked about before, we get in, in the, the beginning of the tree of life, we get a two-tiered wilderness. And everything in that tree of life dream in First Nephi 8 had a purpose, had a symbol, had a reason. And one of the things that we get in the beginning of it, as we've talked about a couple of times, there's a two-tiered, Wilderness experience. The first thing he's going to do is he's going to go through a dark and dreary wilderness. And then the angel comes and says, follow me. And then he goes right where? Dark and dreary waste. Right? So let let me ask you a question to get started with. What do you think might be either the purpose or the reason or the design behind First of all, a, a dark and dreary wilderness, and then a rescue, and then a waste. Okay. So, so for, for context, one of the things that... that uh, my, we, we look to my pioneer ancestor, Arza Hinckley, who was involved in the, in the rescue of the uh, Martin Handcart Company just outside Martin's Cove. Okay, what we don't realize, and it was just after they had had the crossing of the, la- the last crossing to the Sweetwater, and you know, and they were all freezing, and the and not just the boys, but there were a number of people that were bringing the people across that last crossing to the Sweetwater, and you have to go just a couple of miles outside of Martin's Cove to see that spot. What we don't realize is that particular moment when. Uh, Arza and uh, uh, Thomas. Blocking um, on of the other guy's name. Anyway, they, they rescue him. They had already been rescued. <laughs> they had been rescued. They had they had been at Martin's Cove, and now they were heading for Salt Lake, and they have to be rescued again. So um, when we when we look at this, there is wilderness rescue, and then a waste. Okay, why? Why? Any ideas as to why there might be a two-tiered, and, and, and maybe one way to look at it is what was the difference between the wilderness and the waste? That might give you a, a clue. I think uh, I have spent a lot of time at Dugway. The wilderness is just on the west side of
1: the Oker Mountain.
0: D- D- Dugway would be like waste, right? Yeah. Yes.
1: And Death Valley is. Yeah. More, More waste. waste. <laughs> More waste. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Right? Okay. I'm, I'm going to show you another waste today that I think applies. But why? What, what's the difference between the first one and the second one? Mm-hmm. Wheels turning. Yeah. This is a, yeah. The might have berries or something to eat, and the waste really had very little. Ah. Okay. It's a wilderness. That doesn't mean that it's necessarily completely barren. And it could. Sure, there might have been some food available there. Okay? If I'm in mean, the wilderness, maybe I'm lost. And think no maps, no... The, in the Book of Mormon, they would be lost in a rich wilderness jungle when they were trying to go from the land of Nephi down to Zarahemla, and that was still a wilderness, and it was, there would be things to eat and monkeys to listen to. Could <laughs> <laughs> one be physical and one be spiritual? In what way? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> you just thought that was a good place to plunge into, didn't you? Because everything is, uh, well, okay, right? <laughs> okay. One of the th- I'm not sure that I completely know either, but here's here's what jumped out at me. See what you think. When he's in the wilderness and he's lost, what happens? He gets rescued by an angel, okay? The angel says, follow me. And then he goes right into the waste. Who rescues him in the waste? Does the angel come back and go, oh, sorry, I dropped you into a waste. Bummer. Okay, let me keep, let me keep you going. Where in the waste? Who does Lehi apply to? Who is he talking to? Directly to the Lord, right? Yeah, and, and so he he says he prays for many hours, and then he and then it turns out then the he suddenly realizes his eyes are the, the blinders are taken off, and he realizes that salvation is really close. It was act, hey, I can see the tree. It's right. From the waist, I can now look and see the the large and spacious space there. There, and there's the tree, and I was close. But notice that it's not the angel that's pointing that out to him, okay? And and from that, I wondered if there are times when um, we are in a wilderness where we can apply and get help from people around us. Then are there times that we find ourselves in a waste where really nobody can really help us except God. Is that that possible? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And and we want desperately to be rescued in the wilderness and and that help may come in the form of other people. But aren't there times in our lives when it's simply a waste and there's nobody that knows or understands or can do anything, and it's only by directly appealing to the Lord that the answers and the help are going to come. Nobody else will get it. Nobody else will understand.
1: Well, you go through that, and when he talks about the wilderness, he's talking about his sons who, by their own choice, drifted away from the Lord. Yeah. He's talking about the waste. He's talking about himself. And and I think he was always doing his best to follow the Lord. Right. But he still faced those challenges. Sure. I always felt that the Lord did that just to test him, make sure he was ready for this vision he was planning on giving.
0: Yeah, there's a big one coming. Right. And sometimes... one uh, yeah and it could be that those times when we have been in the waste is when we're actually and we're not going to ask anybody we can't appeal to anybody but we're also that moment we can receive the greatest light and knowledge because we have been stretched to our utmost yeah
1: years ago i had a class it was a seminary symposium at byu and they were teaching on isaiah 61 yeah and um, the teacher said Sometimes we go through things in our life simply because we are gonna help someone else along the way. Yeah. And so sometimes just like you said, friends help us and then sometimes you just go straight to the temple and the source and and then but we can help our kids and our friends in both those same ways because we've been through that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we talked We talked briefly with a friend of ours whose uh, husband's dying of cancer. And there wasn't a whole lot we could say. Other than just, we're here, we'll help with whatever we can, but there are some things that can only be appealed directly to heaven. And, and we can support you, but the, the comfort, anything we would say... Would be stupid, <laughs> basically well he 's going to another site, you know, yes. and the Lord has a plan for him, and you know no, we want him here, we need him here uh, we're just so sorry, period, yeah
1: so I have kind of two rather excursionary <laughs> ideas about this this uh, divi- change from the wilderness, to the wilderness. uh-huh huh and, and uh, not that I think that they're for certain true or anything, but in in the first case, in the most extreme, uh, we know that Satan can appear as an angel of light, and and there wouldn't be any reason that in a in a uh, vision that he he couldn't experience the same awareness. And so sometimes people are misled because they follow what they think is right.
0: Sidney so Rigdon certainly had that. They
1: feel huh? that they have been guided by uh, help from above and really they're being guided by help from below. <laughs> um, the other one that I think is more likely is sometimes we're inspired to do something and we think we know what the outcome will be, and the outcome, after we do what we feel like we were inspired to do, the outcome that we desire does not occur. No, no. And then it's only later that we see that the outcome that happened, even though it, it was maybe in opposition to what we thought the outcome was going to be. Or should was be. the right outcome.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's...
1: And, and like you talk about this brother with cancer, you know, in a spiritual part, we know that uh, his dying... Is going to be a good thing we know that in the long run but in the temporal heart it's hard to to uh, express enthusiasm and not look like you're being uh, hard
0: I know I know that's why I always cringe sometimes a little bit at our viewings and funerals and stuff like that in the church that we're really trying to erase the grief from this oh it's a good thing you know think about the people he's gonna meet on the other side it's wonderful no we're hurting and, and don't take that away from us, so. All right, so hold on to this idea here. So, I'm gonna, we're gonna hop over. It's gonna be interesting where this shows up now. I'm gonna expand this out. One or two, three or four. That should be more better, okay. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're reading along with Nephi, there are some natural chapter endings. I know that, first of all, uh, Oliver Cowdery tried to put some chapter endings in here. The, uh, the printer, and the, when they're printing the, mat, the the Book of Mormon, added punctuation and chapters and stuff like that. Then orson pratt shows up and orson pratt will do a lot of the the most current chapter headings and and things that that we have but i want you to feel a natural one coming from nephi um, and and how he ends his chapter and where he's going with this okay so after they've had a discussion with the boys about what was in the dream and what nephi saw in his dream And then they're they're upset, and then he says in four, he's going to exhort his brethren with all diligence to keep the commandments. Now listen to the natural winding down of the end of the chapter. It's almost like we're watching the last few minutes of a play, and he's going to do the last couple of things before the curtain comes down, and we move on to act two. So here's the end of act one. And it came to pass that they... My, my brethren did humble themselves before the Lord insomuch that I had joy and great hope for them that they would walk in the paths of righteousness. Okay? Uh, and all these things were said and done as my father dwelt in a tent. Uh, and we're going to talk about that little place in just a second. Uh, all these took place in the valley which he called Lemuel. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, took the daughters of Ishmael, to wife. Yay, I got married. Uh, My brethren took the daughters of Ishmael, to wife. Also, Zoram gets the eldest daughter. That is quite quite an accomplishment. You get the eldest daughter. That means something. Kind of cool. Um, Okay? And, And then look at the end of Act 1. And thus, my father had fulfilled all the commandments of the Lord which given him, and I, Nephi, had been blessed exceedingly bring the curtain down. This is where, but and notice how this ends. This ends on everybody's getting married. My father had successfully completed all of the commandments he'd been given. And I had been blessed. Fade to black. <laughs> okay, it ends on this hopeful note. Nephi's really hopeful that what we've gotten here is an end of all the stuff and it's been successful (sighs) you can just feel him getting to the end of this okay now act two (laughs) up comes the curtain let's make it more interesting the 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 new the new act begins and now it came to pass that the voice of the Lord spake unto my father by night and commanded him on the morrow that he should take his journey. Where? Aren't we there? Didn't we, didn't we go into the wilderness already? We're already in the wilderness. Why? What? What?
1: But if you don't take a journey, you just stop in depression, (laughs) know.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he said... No, you can't do anything. No, and so now we're going to go. So now go into the wilderness. And he goes, say what? (laughs) Okay, and and you look at that, and it might be like, well, this is just a continuation farther into the wilderness. I'm going to suggest to you, and this is just simply me, I'm going to suggest that we're about to go from the wilderness to the waste. And I think I can... Prove that, uh, I hope. Okay? So we're going to go from the wilderness into the waste. Uh, So let me, to do that, let me hop over. Okay? All right. All right, you get a little geography lesson here. So here's the ancient here's the ancient world. We've got Jerusalem up here at the top. You know, I'm going to need to bring it in just a little. Well, that looks clear to me, doesn't it? To you? Okay. I want you to notice where, where we are here. Um, and I, I'm forever grateful to the researchers at BYU that have kind of put this together. So we've got Jerusalem, and then we've got the Red Sea, okay? And the little sliver of the Red Sea that goes up here. We've got, uh, you can see the Nile River, and, and it's all of its tributaries. Right at the base here is uh, Memphis, and and why is this kind of important? Well, because there is a trade route, and it's going to go from it's going to go from Memphis. It's going to go from Memphis in here, and what it does is it crosses over. and it it hangs uh, an immediate left when it gets to Aqaba, right there at the tip, okay. Elliot uh, from, uh, and Israel is right next to it, but Aqaba is the ancient city. Um, And Petra is about right. Yep, Petra and then Wadi Ram is right next to that, and then Petra is just a little bit farther north. They're all on this on this trade route, and and by the way, this little route from Aqaba up up here, and then up here near the ceiling up here, <laughs> is Mesopotamia, Babylon, and so there was a trade route that went from Egypt across Turn at Aqaba up through uh, what is now Petra up to Mesopotamia, and commerce and trade went back and forth across there. Okay now. Why is, why is all that in kind of important? Well, because when, if, if, if the, the family's going to start up here in Jerusalem, and they're going to end up, we know they're going to go all the way down here. Uh, we think the, somewhere the camp of Broken Bow is, is like right, right about here. They're going to hang a left at Nahum, where Ishmael's going to die, and then over to Bountiful. Okay. So, yeah, is your, is your uh, uh, red dot up there actually hitting any of those things? Yeah. Did you wear your glasses? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I see it going back and forth where you're pumping back, and other times I don't. So, see there. Your- so, you can see it now? <coughs> you can't see it.
1: It's
0: getting lighter. Oh, look at that. It's fading. What it's if I've got any batteries, Wendy?
1: <laughs> ah.
0: If yeah, they're double A. Okay, so maybe we we'll okay, you can see it. Okay, so if you look here, up here at Jerusalem, if they're going to go all the way down to Nahum, which we know they did, um, and by the way, how do we know that they turned at Nahum? Book of Mormon says so, right? How do we know that that's where Nahum is? Because that's where they found it. <laughs> it's, it's the one place in all of the Book of Mormon geography that we know they were there. You know, It's like, it's like when we go to Israel, we can say, this is Caesarea Philippi. Jesus for sure stood right here. We know that for dang sure. Okay. Well, this is the one place in the Book of Mormon we know Nahum because it's there and it says Nahum. and we we can't miss that. So we know where they went. Yeah. Hand. That video probably
1: everybody's seen it, Journey of Faith. where
0: uh-huh. you, Professor, mm-hmm. years ago. That is fabulous to watch. Isn't that fun? And see all of it, yeah, they have researched this so heavily. Um, OK, so.
1: There down across the water there, but to like Sheba and there were other places. Oh, sure, sure. So there were trade routes, so that's a significant It's OK. It's just,
0: it's, um, they're AAA. Uh, it was working? They're
1: AAA, so.
0: You think this is going to fade in a sec here? Yeah,
1: just keep clicking it. You'll be all right. <laughs> Just, we'll, we'll get AAA batteries, and then we'll fix it later.
0: <laughs> okay, then. All right. So if you're, if you're coming out of Jerusalem, you're going to go, uh, and you're heading south. They're going to go from Jerusalem. There's a couple of routes they could go. They could come down this side of the, the Dead Sea, or they can come down the other side of the Dead Sea. Most likely they came down this side uh potentially down through petra but they would have come right through akaba no matter which way they went they would have gone through akaba and camp somewhere south i was looking at some geography this morning uh there are a number of inlets right here that the the camp that the valley of lemuel and the and the river of Laman that's going to come into it there's a number of possibilities and they're all just a little farther down the coast from Aqaba, Okay? Now, why is why is that essential? If you are camped if if Lehi's going to pitch his tent somewhere right here in like the Valley of Lemuel wherever Aqaba is is like less than a quick day's journey to run up and get supplies. Guess what else they do in, in where they were doing Aqaba in the 6th century? Building ships. Guess, else, guess what else they were doing? Smelting tools. For Nephi coming through there, guess what he's watching? Shipbuilders, tool makers. They could restock their supplies in Aqaba. And, and if they're going to be here a few A couple of years while they're waiting on the boys going back and forth. They can fit. They've got access to fish. They've got access to Akaba. They've got, in other words, they could very comfortably stay somewhere along there almost indefinitely. Because they've got all the things that they need. Okay. Ultimately, Nephi is going to talk about hunting wild beasts. Well, his bow hunting wild beasts wouldn't really be that necessary if you're right next to the ocean and you can fish and you can you can buy sheep, you know, and goats and stuff.
1: There are there aren't any wild beasts around Aqaba. No,
0: no, there's no need. I mean, it's a.
1: And if he if he went in along Petra, there's there's nothing because Petra is you're confined
0: yeah it is but and so if but by the time you get down here and it opens up awesome okay so that they were they were it's a wilderness it's not their it's not their town but they've got access to help and they could stay there a long time they really could okay um, now that's why I think it's kind of significant oh by the way uh, one, one drawing conception of ancient Akaba that, uh, that uh, Lehi's family might have seen was something like this. It was a, it sits right there. Is it that uniform? No, it's not. But it gets an idea of perhaps a walled city uh, and a lot going on. Um, and uh, anyway, so even if you're there today, even it because it, it's now a it's now a resort area all all of, all across there so even in the middle of that they can still see the footings for where the ancient city of aqaba is uh, anybody ever watch uh, Lawrence of Arabia guess which city they attack in Lawrence of Arabia aqaba <laughs> okay because Wadi Rum, where it actually was filmed is just is like with within just a couple of hours of the road up there okay so that that's the area okay. right yeah because you've been showing this area I was curious where were the Dead Sea Scrolls found? you want to complicate that just a little? okay Dead, Dead Sea Scrolls uh, Qumran is like right it's, it's right along the Dead, Dead Sea Sea of Galilee's up here. Okay, Dead Sea, it's right. Qumran is just off of that, close, close by Masada. Okay, so that's all way up here. Okay, but but by the way, wilderness. What does that look like to you? Waste. (laughs) Wilderness. Waste. (laughs) Wilderness. Waste. (laughs) Okay, so if we're going to hop back over here keep keep that in mind keep keep a view of that okay now uh voice of the lord spake to my father by night commanded him on the morrow that he should take his journey into the wilderness now they're going to plunge i'll come back to this in a second look at what they need to take with them now for the first time they're going to say we did gather together whatsoever things we should carry into the wilderness. And all the remainder of our provisions what the Lord had given unto us and take seed of every kind that we might carry into the wilderness. Now we're going into the real wilderness. We were in the wilderness, but now we're about to go into the waste. And and we, just, and we have to be able to rely on us. There's no quick trip to the 7-Eleven in Aqaba to get a big gulp. <laughs> you know, where where we are going is going to be rougher, and so with that they're going to plunge across the River Laman, and then off they go until they, and four days gets them to Shazar, which means winding thing. Okay? All right? Yeah?
1: So, I'm just thinking this is just before they make this jump off is when they get to Leahon. Yes. Okay, and And I'm just thinking that this group, you know, Lehi would have been perhaps okay with going on the next step, but this group, they need the Liahona to give them the confidence that they're going in the right direction because it does not look right. No, it
0: doesn't. Okay, so so let's talk about that for a sec. And again, I'm going to lean heavy on scholars that are much dang smarter than I am on this. Okay. Here's what's been suggested by John Welch and others. Okay, notice what's happened up here in verse seven. Came to pass, I Nephi took one of the daughters of Ishmael to wife, and the brethren took the daughters of Ishmael to wife, and Zoram gets the eldest daughter. Okay, in Israelite tradition, what is it incumbent upon a father of daughters to give to the father of sons? On the occasion of the wedding, a dowry. A dowry. Hmm. What particular possible thing could could Ishmael provide to Lehi that would be incredibly helpful moving forward?
1: I thought all the women were pretty helpful. <laughs>
0: They would be helpful, yes. Otherwise, the book of Mormon would only be 30 years uh, long. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yep. Let me acquaint you with. Ah! Might it look like that? Anybody know what that is?
1: Sundial compass
0: whatever. Yeah, it's called, it's, it's an ancient, ancient way of traveling through the wilderness, and it's called an astrolabe. The astrolabe, here's the description, it's in the Oxford Museum. Okay. this thing happens to be a finely worked decorative object it's a brass globe that's made of two hemispheres that neatly screw together the enclosing reet it's the outside thing must rotate smoothly on a perfectly round sphere that's also made of brass oh wow kind of cool huh okay so so how does an astrolabe work It's kind of an ancient GPS, because on the front side of it is two spindles, and you either, you're either going to uh, use those and you sight it off of the sun, uh, or, and, and that's one way, the other way is, I don't know if you can see these, these other little spindles as they kind of curve off here, those all p- point to... Uh, Uh, constellations, star constellations, okay? So based on either sighting by sun or sighting using these by night and aligning these spindles with that, that tells you exactly where you are. Then what happens is there are round disks that you slide in underneath that on the back side of it that are particular to a geographical spot in... In, in place. So if you're in Arabia, you might have one for there. If you're around Egypt, you'd have one for there. If you're in Babylon, you might have one in there. And you can tr- trade them out based on where you are. Isn't that fascinating? Okay? Um, and in some cases, uh, and, and you know, what happens is, especially if you're using something like that there's writing on here at certain places and as you're rotating it around, some things that are written describing particular area, wadis water, stuff like that can actually come rolling up and you would see those for the first time okay now, that's not you're looking at me like (laughs) hang hang with me on it Okay. I'm just saying what's out there. <laughs> so, wait a minute, we had a testimony of the Leona. Hang on to that, we're getting there. Okay. Uh, one other piece I want to show you that I thought was kind of fascinating, because I kept looking at this and going, I've seen this before. Where did I say, oh, I know where this is? In the, I've shown this before, if you go to the museum in Mexico City and they have a tapestry that was painted anciently showing the, uh, the first people that came to Mexico and they have a picture of the grungagol. Uh-oh. Hello. What's that? Or that. And here are, here are seven people. Could be seven tribes. You know, seven people coming out of the womb. That's kind of the womb thing. Okay. Now they're going to all get on turtles and ride away, which is weird. <laughs> and they are going to sort of ride some horses that aren't really the kind of horses we would think about. But they can ride on those as they spread out across. But I just think it's interesting that here... Uh, in the close-up of the first panel, a man leading is birthing people into the land. He's carrying an instrument referred to as the Grungagal, which was called the compass or director.
1: It looks more like a Jaredite story to me than
0: an but Easily. Could easily be that. I just was struck by the idea that we wouldn't necessarily... So, Because I've always been fascinated by that one there. Here we got a ball that you potentially would hang there so in either case right i i think all right so so what does that mean then one of the possibilities is that if if Ish, the most important thing that ishmael could provide to the family might be some some means of making their way through the wilderness that he could have that this could have been Ishmael's um, astrolabe now that is that in the story no because we know that the Lord is going to do some things with this with this object okay to what extent we don't know I'm just saying that there's a a possibility so so let's because there's some peculiar things about this particular ball Uh, we know that uh, there are two spindles and one points the way whichever one points the way we should go into the wilderness Uh, that's still a little fuzzy isn't it ah you thought it was your glasses didn't you (laughs) no you thought it was my glasses All right. now, let's look down here. The peculiar thing about this thing, um, if we're going to go down to. When, they, when, when we're having the whole broken bow incident, Care, we're going to learn a few things about this ball. Uh, there are things written on there. Were the things that were written there before? seems to be that the Lord's putting them there. It came to pass that my father beheld the things that were written on the ball. He did fear and tremble, my brethren and sons Ishmael. Um, now, 28. It came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld the pointers that were in the ball, and they did work according to faith and diligence and heed, which we gave to them. Um, I, I've heard that there's a... a I mentioned before there's kind of a popular way out there of culture of asking people if they are iron rod mormons or leahona mormons. <laughs> okay? Iron rod mormons would be people that would hand over hand <laughs> follow the iron rod, okay? And leahona mormons would be what are we doing? Uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're kind of moving all over the place. Sometimes we're here, sometimes we're there, but we sort of always come back on point, okay? Um, now, he's going to just give us a little bit more on this. And there was also written a new writing, uh, which the Lord could give us to understand. Interestingly, it wasn't just to give them directions, it was also to do what? understanding concerning the ways of the Lord. And it was written and changed from time to time according to the faith and diligence we gave to it. And thus we see. Here comes, and thus we see. Therefore, the moral of the story is, and thus we see by small means the Lord can bring about great things. Okay? So then he's going to follow the directions on the ball and he'll he'll be able to slay wild beasts. Okay. Now,
1: it is interesting that it says new, because they would have known how to use these things. Yeah. So something new was written on it that they hadn't seen before. So interesting.
0: Maybe it is. Interesting thing about this also that, that's been that's been suggested is that um, if if it indeed was was an astrolabe that you start with, however the Lord would then use that. If it indeed was Ishmael's astrolabe, then who would be doing most of the directing, at least at first, on where they're going? Ishmael. Ishmael. Okay? So, what happens when Ishmael dies at Naam? So. Freak out time. <laughs> you know, maybe Nephi's learning how to use this thing, but when Ishmael dies, now there's a real crisis because can we trust him to get us there? Yeah.
1: So. A sextant is, is like a, a junior version of an astrolabe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a sextant is, you, there's no way you can use it without training. And a, an intelligent person can be trained how to use it in about an hour. Yeah. So uh, so there's no difficulty for Ishmael to pass on. But I can't comprehend this being an ask for life because the, the writing is giving them gospel instruction, it's right. teaching them things and so for me it's not possible this is an astrolabe. And the other thing is that the two uh, dials on the astrolabe are fixed to each other and uh, and they you'd cha- you point the directors and uh, Hona, the Liahona
0: the, 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 director, the directors would point
1: So this wasn't based on the stars, this was based on magnetic
0: uh, and, and and that that's been suggested as well. I mean, it's I what, what else?
1: Change the the one director followed the magnet, and the other one followed the one at some offset. And that
0: that's that there. that's certainly an option. That's certainly a possibility. Um, but but it's interesting the the knowledge that they take off of this. Now, what I want you to see is how Nephi sees it, and then watch how the tradition of how this thing the lessons that were taught by this thing how it transfers uh 600 years from that and then a thousand years w- w- what watch how this works okay if
1: i call that Nephi called small means when when clearly he's, what he's describing is incomprehensible <laughs> yes
0: yes right i don't understand this. i know what a- and, little thing? and and just follow this thing well it was incomprehensible to alma too Alma's like what is this okay so look so look at how this works uh, and again, watch how prophets do this. Okay? So he's going to tell us um, 28. Uh, they did work according to the faith and diligence heed. And then he's going to say, We basically did all right and things got well and we got to bountiful. Basically. Now, Laman and Lemuel have a different of opinion as to how well the trip went. <laughs> okay? Nephi says our women were strong and they did give suck and it was good and stuff like that and Laman and Lemuel are like this is horrible and our women are hating this whole thing <laughs> Okay, especially the ones who lost their dad Okay, um, now but Alma because we've talked about the tradition is ultimately when they're going to get to the promised land now you're going to have these sacred objects the Leahona. You're gonna have the, the sword of Laban, you're gonna have the plates of brass, the records, the defender, the direction. And these are gonna be passed from father to son in a kingly fashion, okay? So we get this moment in Alma 37. i fl- flip over here to Alma 37. Alma 37 is giving a lesson to his son Helaman, okay, I'm going to give you these these items, okay, now, he's going to say, and it's interesting for him, the most important thing he's about to hand to his son is not the liahona, and it's not the sword, it's what? Plates of brass, in Alma 37, verse 3, these plates of brass, uh, has been, uh, should be kept and handed down. They know the mysteries. Uh, verse five, and now they should be, they, they are kept, they retain their brightness and they will retain their brightness, which is pretty good for ancient brass. That's like 600 years old. Brass tends to get a little tarnished and the, one of the amazing things about the plates of brass is they re- retain that, okay? But listen, now listen to the phrase that he's gonna use though in describing the plates of brass. Verse 6, and you may suppose that this is foolishness in me, but I say unto you that what? By small and simple means are things going to come to pass. He's going to grab Nephi's phrase, and he's going to apply what Nephi applied to the Lehihona, and he's going to apply it to plates of brass by small and simple means you only have to follow it this is not hard okay and it's funny he could have used the leahona he could have used the iron rod he's using the plates of brass as the small and simple mean that needs to be followed so so somewhere in the evolution they're saying to this people and to you Helaman the most important simple thing that you're going to hang on to and direct the people to follow is what
1: Scripture. The
0: scriptures, the records—they—they they are, okay. Uh, now,
1: I uh, small, simple things—they're kind of like—I uh, don't know if the no words exactly, but you know, the Jews were looking for someone to save them from Rome. You know, and but this is a simple thing of the heart—you know, being obedient and having faith. Those are simple things. In fact. Faithful people are often referred to as simple.
0: You know, yeah, they are. Joseph Smith was certainly seen as simple yes. by the sophisticated people of his time.
1: I think that's what they're really referring to as this simple, the, the simple, the way. I am the way.
0: Yeah, just follow so. me. Well, th- think about, again, we, we talked about last time how, how uh, poor Paul. <laughs> think about the job that Paul had running around, you know, Corinth, and Rome, and Athens, and they go, hey, there's been a revolution here. There's a new king in town. Well, no, the Romans are still in place. Okay, yeah, but it, this revolution has happened quietly. Who is it? It was Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, the guy that was crucified? Yeah. Ooh. So to the Jews, this simple thing was a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, Madness foolishness it's so that's so stupid that you guys would follow this okay now that's what he says six you may suppose that this is foolishness in me that by small and simple things or great things come to pass we just need a broken heart and contrite spirit well can't we have just like a greater miracle yeah the changing of is the changing of a heart a miracle oh man Think about, by small and simple, still small voice, the love, testimony, there's a massive, red seas get parted, but hearts get broken. Okay, and it just, this, this thing happens, okay? By small, small and simple means. Uh, and then he uses again, by small, by small means, the Lord doth confound the wise and bring his salvation to the soul. And and these records have enlarged the memory of our people and convinced them. And he's talking about Isaiah, you know, things that are in there, okay? Uh, And then that'll bring you to repentance. Now, but think about the moment. He's he's doing the speech, but he's kind of like, okay, here's the brass plates. Let me give you a story on this one. Here's the sword. Let me give you a story on this one. And then he's gonna get to the Liahona. Do we have any record Any record at all of them using the Liahona in after the wilderness and after they get to the promised land? None. Okay? In fact, it's only called the Liahona once. This is it. This is the only time this is called the Liahona. The rest of the time it's called the Directors. Okay? Alright. right. Uh, let's see, let me get all the way down here. Oh, also. Oh, so now let's get to, and now my son, the interpreters were prepared that the word of God might be fulfilled. We say, I will bring forth out of darkness, I will bring light to secrets and abomination. I will help you get through the waste. I will get you through the deepest part of the wilderness where you can't rely on anybody else but me.
1: Was he talking about the Leahon? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Your-
0: no, these interpreters, because he's going to go on to say. So
1: they don't have a Urim in
0: the yet. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, let's see, where is he? Okay. Now, I have somewhat to say concerning what our fathers called a ball, the directors, or our fathers called it Leahona. Okay? That being interpreted, a compass, and the Lord prepared it. There cannot be any man. I mean, after six hundred years, I. You know, we haven't seen anything like this. Now, whether it was an astrolabe or not, or something that the Lord just delivered on there, he goes, "We, wow. We, we by the way, we can't even figure out how to use the thing. <laughs> We're not using it. It hasn't been used for hundreds of years." But he says. Uh, there cannot any man work after a manner. Now, it did work according to their faith. These spindles should point the way they should go. Now, these miracles work by small means. It did show unto them marvelous works. Now, if it's not going to work, now he's going to use a particular word. He's going to say they are slothful and forgot to exercise their faith. Lazy people don't want to do simple things. Wait a minute. That doesn't mean lazy people wouldn't want to do simple things. And he goes, "Lazy people weren't doing the simple things like reading the scriptures, praying, those kind of things." Yeah.
1: So once they got out of the wilderness and they came to the promised land, they didn't feel the need to get directed. Whether they were in a, yeah. a wonderful forest in South America or one in New York, they didn't feel the need to move it's like Jared before they he was chewed out and told, Hey, you gotta keep going. <laughs> yeah. And and so they're not looking for where to go. And if they're not looking at the Liahona for where to go, they're also not looking at it to be corrected in their sinfulness.
0: Yeah, and, and it gives you some idea why it is that Alma is not necessarily saying, Let's use the Liahona as our as our chief small and simple thing Let's use the uh, the other brass object <laughs> the brass plates follow the brass plates because because now if you do that then verse 44 it's easy to give heed to the words of christ uh as it was for our fathers to give heed to the compass which would point them in a straight course <laughs> which they never went in a straight course it would point they just wouldn't go there okay a straight, uh, straight course to the promised land then he's, he has a particular phrase here that i love now is this not a type as for as surely as this director did bring our fathers, following its course to the promised land, shall the words of Christ, written on the brass plates, if we follow their course, carry us beyond this veil of sorrow into a far better land of promise. Okay, Book of Mormon is usually pretty straightforward. It's not always really poetic, like this. This is one of those times when you get this this veil of sorrow. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's Alma coming up with that or if that's what came through Joseph's head. But it really kind of um, beautifully uh, says if we're going through a waste and we have directions like from Brass Plates or Liahona or directions to the Lord, it'll carry us beyond this veil of sorrow. Into a, the
1: spelling is interesting on 44. Isn't it though? Because in 44 they spell straight as the the word we're used to. That's right. And and quite, Narrow. Often, quite often they are using the word straight, which is a different word. Sounds the same. Straight, which means uh, like a a very confined path. You know,
0: yeah. Yeah. A,
1: uh, a confined path, and this this is straight like a
0: straight like an arrow. arrow straight like a director. Yeah. So, so
1: definitely not straight like an arrow. But that's narrow. Yeah. Uh, there are straight all over the planet that are, yeah, so this is Longer a, wise,
0: this is a, this is a different yeah, straight. Yeah, straight, S-T-R-A-I-T would be Petra. Yeah, okay. If you're going da- down through the canyon and it's very narrow and confined and, and, until you, until you get to that. But this is straight like, woo straight, go, go straight. Now, so, so Alma's going to use this. Now, let, let me show you one other place where the prophets then love this concept. Uh, I'm going to go back over here to, there it is. Okay, now, this is one other place. Because now, so Alma's looking at this Lehihona, and then we have another prophet in 400 AD who's looking at this whole thing, and he's got his own spin on it, okay? And that's going to be Mormon, and Mormon's going to abridge the words of King Benjamin, So now I'm going to hop over to Messiah 1. So I just love, it's one of those times where you say, it's, it's the purview of prophets to borrow from other prophets stuff and then modify it to their needs of their people under inspiration. So Nephi's writing to his kids about what the Leahona did. Then we've got Alma writing to Helaman as he's handing him off the plates. Here's what the, the Leahona did, but even more important is the brass plates. Now look at Mormon, who's writing it for our day. He says, I want you to get this, but he's going to, so he's going to say it, therefore, as he's showing you King Benjamin. So here's Mormon's take on this whole thing. because he's gonna say, after King Benjamin made an end of speaking, he gave him charge, meaning not just a commandment, but the stuff. You get the sacred stuff, okay? Charge concerning all the affairs of the kingdom. 16, moreover, he gave him charge concerning the records of the plates of brass, and also the plates of Nephi, because by this point, now we have the small plates that have been developed. and the sword of Laman, and what? The ball or director. And what he's going to say, if you've got the ball and director, which led our fathers through the wilderness. Now, listen. he does a very subtle thing here that I think is kind of cool, because this is written to us. He, he knew that his audience, most of the Nephites had been killed off, so we were the audience intended for what he's about to write. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Which was prepared by the hand of the Lord that thereby they might be led every one according to the heed and diligence which they gave unto him. Every one. That would include who? Us so put us into this now now we get which was prepared by the hand of the Lord that thereby they our fathers but also they meaning us everyone might be led according to the heed and diligence which they gave unto him now just a reminder therefore 17 as they were unfaithful they did not prosper or progress in their journey and then he has a little bit more detail because he's got access to all of Nephi's writings and records. We might have, had, if we had the large plates that were lost in 116 pages, we might have read more about the, the backsliding and, and the struggles that they had along the way, okay? But we don't. Uh, we get a hint of it here. Therefore, when they were unfaithful, they did not prosper nor progress in their journey, but they were driven back and incurred the displeasure of God upon them and therefore, because Nephi doesn't tell us this, therefore they were smitten with famine. Yeah, they were hungry, but sore afflictions that stirred them up to remembrance of their duty. You just get a sense that they suffered. Laman and Lemuel were probably more right. It was they had some tough times in the waste. It was it was hard it was hard slogging. Okay, but what? But he wants us to hear, and and what he's taking of that is, it's it's it's. Not just He's not emphasizing plain and simple. What he's emphasizing is di- diligence uh, and giving heed to the words that God would give them. It's almost like the words that were on the director was almost more important. Okay? So, does that sort of make sense? I, I just love the timeline of watching what each prophet does with, with an event. When we get to... Um, when we get to Messiah and we start watching what the prophets do with Isaiah Jesus will use Isaiah one way Uh, Abinadi will use Isaiah the same chapter differently and Nephi will use Isaiah more like the Savior did and a little less like Abinadi did but each one is inspired given their setting and their situation to use the scriptures and their sacred past to meet the needs um (coughs) Um, I was sitting yesterday with, uh, as I was calling uh, a couple of gossip-